0: Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, along with producer Benny Mathers. There was an article in the New York Times this week, and the title was, Seattle's Virus Success Shows What Could Have Been. In that article, it just demonstrated how quickly Seattle took the coronavirus seriously and shut things down much ahead of the whole country. Now, certainly we haven't done everything right, But it does shine a light on what Seattle did right. And I do think that Mayor Durkin, um, King County Executive Dow Constantine, and certainly Governor Inslee and others deserve credit for this. I've been very critical of other things may have happened along the way, but this is what they did and they got it right. Also an individual i like to call out because I think he really summed up very well the thoughts of myself and many people about how this virus should be put into perspective his name is dr jeffrey duchin and he is the health officer for seattle in king county let me just read the quote the other unintended consequences can be addressed and mitigated over time but you can't bring people back from the coroner's office okay so i think it really spells it out quite well certainly shutdowns have been awful and very difficult on people. Isolation, the schools, we can go on and on. However, again, putting into perspective, at least if you can get through this alive. Let me read that one more time. Quote, the other unintended consequences can be addressed, and they can be mitigated over time, but you can't bring people back from the coroner's office. That's what our leaders got in our state, and so many others did not. And in the article, it also said, if the rest of the nation had kept pace with Seattle, the nation could have avoided 300,000 deaths, over half the number of deaths could have been prevented than what we've experienced so far. And that, again, is the New York Times, March 11th, 2021, and the columnist is Mike Baker. So to all the states who have now opened up, no further mask requirements like Texas and Mississippi, please stay home. We're trying to open up slowly here, but we're not going to make wildcat moves. We're going to continue to do, hopefully, and have the vigilance we've had up to this time. And you know something? One year later, to all those states who, again, are not requiring masks anymore, the jury is in. Social distancing and masks work. And something else that happened over the weekend I wanted to uh, call your attention to. And um, I watched the Pac-12 Men's Basketball Championship. Don't usually do that, but I watched it uh, on Saturday night. And it featured Oregon State University and the University of Colorado. And why I, again, call your attention to this is that Oregon State won the game. They won the Pac-12 championship. They were predicted to finish last in the Pac-12 this season. I love those stories of David and Goliath, and this is just one more example of that. So anyhow, congratulations to Oregon State University's men's basketball team. And because of that win, they are now going to be playing in March Madness. Today I'm talking with two people who happen to have the same last name, Reed they both spell their name the same way but that's where the similarities end they have vastly different professions duane reed is a young african american author teacher and rap sensation and duane will be up on the show in about 15 minutes but first up will be former washington secretary of state sam reed sam served as secretary of state for 3 terms between 2001 and 2013 One of his many accomplishments was leading the way to the top two primary system. There were only three states in the country that have this type of system, Washington, Alaska, and California. Voters in Washington are not required to register to vote by party affiliation. Now, voters can cross party lines in the primary, and we've been doing this since about 2004 when a citizen initiative led by Sam Reed passed, allowing us to go in this direction. So that means that two Democrats or two Republicans can advance to the general election, which has happened many times since this initiative was enacted. You you may know all this, but I just want to do a quick review. But um, Washington's top two primary system will have a profound impact on the re-election hopes of two Republican House of Representatives, and that's Jamie Herrera Butler and Dan Newhouse, who voted to impeach Donald Trump. Unlike the other eight House Republicans who voted for impeachment, Herrera-Butler and Newhouse stand a much better chance to win re-election. So, in just a few moments, I'm going to have a fascinating discussion with former Washington Secretary of State Sam Reed about why this may occur. Are you thinking about self-employment? Visit Amazon or order a book called Pre-Flight Checklist: Is Self-Employment for You? Pre-Flight addresses 8 myths surrounding self-employment and includes a self-employment quiz. The higher you score, the higher your prospects for success. Visit Amazon Books and input Pre-Flight Checklist. That's Pre-Flight Checklist. Sam, I talked to you last year about the top two primary system that you were very much involved with in bringing to the state of Washington, taking it to the Supreme Court twice, I believe, and I have a more full appreciation of the top two primary system when I read a column by Timothy Egan in the New York Times about how this is really a mechanism for not to exaggerate it too much, but saving democracy or allowing people to have a real voice in electing representatives. Is this what you had in mind?
1: This is what I had in mind, uh, because in the state of Washington, we have a long history, tradition of the people being in charge of the election system rather than the political parties. Uh... It goes way back on our history, but actually in the 1930s, uh, the Grange took the lead to formalize it through a primary system, which was then called the Blanket Primary, where people could vote for whomever they wanted to vote for in the primary, no matter what political party. And uh, so really part of our political culture and heritage here, uh, and, and I was looking for that when the U.S. Supreme Court I declared the blanket primary unconstitutional, uh, trying to figure out how could we create this wide-open primary where the people still can control it. And uh, that's when we came up with the top two system, which I first proposed the legislature, and uh, finally got it passed. But then Governor Locke vetoed it, but I went to the Grange. We put together an initiative, so it passed quite overwhelmingly by
0: the people. We have two congresspeople from the state of Washington. One is located in southwest Washington, and that's Jamie Herrera Butler, and then in central Washington, Dan Newhouse. Both of them are Republicans, and both of them voted for impeachment. Now, my belief is that this top two primary system is going to help them run for cover when they're running for re-election, unlike other Republicans that are being targeted. They may have a really tough Republican, I'll say fringe candidate or whatever it may be running against them. And under the traditional way they could would probably be beaten. but this top two primary may save their bacon in the sense that if let's say the other Republican somehow gets more votes than them, then they get kicked up to the general election. You got two Republicans running against each other. Now the Democrats are in, and now the independents, and let's say in central Washington, that can make the difference for new House winning, the more moderate candidate.
1: Uh, Yes, this is exactly what I had in mind when I was proposing it, is uh, that the party primary system, where you can only vote in a primary if you are registered for that political party, really plays into the hands of the ideological extremist the candidates compete the republican wants to see who's the most conservative and the democrats compete to see who's the most liberal to try to win over the base of of the respective parties uh... with the top two primary system you are campaigning in the primary to the whole electorate to the independents, to the people in the other party were more, who were moderate and could possibly uh, sw- uh, switch over. And uh, so it has really been conducive uh, to getting more centrist candidates of both parties elected.
0: Yeah, so they, in the sense, I think they, I can't read their minds, but I think that they stood up to Trump for principle, okay? However, yes. deep in the back of their minds, though, they knew it would not be fatal to them, as it may be for like a Liz Cheney in Wyoming running for re-election when 43% of the people voted for Trump there. She's going to be in real trouble. But on on the other hand, again, not questioning why they did it, they may, again, have some comfort that they're not going to lose re-election because of the top two primary system.
1: Well, Both Jamie Herrera-Butler and Dan Newhouse... Have faced strong opposition from the ultra conservatives prior to this time. And uh, both have prevailed, and both have prevailed partly because it is a top two primary system. And uh, in, in Newhouse's case, because it's the most Republican congressional district in the state, uh, he actually did end up with having to. Republicans in the the general election, but uh, that hasn't happened with Jamie Herrera-Butler, but she has made it solely through to the general election ballot in each election because of the system being more wide open, and
0: particularly, I think, for the independents. The thing that surprises me, I guess it shouldn't be a surprise, but Washington, California, and Alaska are the only three states in the country that really have this type of system, other than what I read, Nebraska has it for the state legislature, and that's about it. Is that correct?
1: Well, Louisiana has a kind of a permutation, but it's, as usual for Louisiana, it's what all of their own, but it ends up being more of a runoff election if no candidate gets more than 50% in the general election, but again, where people can vote for candidates of either party. But it is a a very different system from what we have here in the state of Washington other than that.
0: I talked to you about this last year, but then I'm more impressed with the impact that this has had in our state, will have in our state. And I'm so concerned, I think, as many people going forward with the gerrymandering, voter suppression, all these things that are coming, that something like this stands out, too, as another way to have much more people participate in the process than if we didn't have that. And hopefully, other states will uh, adopt an approach like this.
1: I hope they will too. And in fact, we did an analysis of a primary turnout. We have in Washington state often the highest turnout in the nation and prim- our primary system. Uh, and what is interesting is there was a very direct correlation between. How wide open the primary is to how closed it is, the states that were the most closed, where you required to register by party, and only those people who are registered by that party can vote had by far the lowest turnout in the primary. And, and so I, I think that is a, a you know, very important factor because we want people to accept their government officials. And a big part of that is feeling they have a piece of it by being able to vote in both the primary and in the general. Because if they don't vote in the primary, often they look at the two people who are in the general election and think, huh, I don't want to vote for either one of these people.
0: Secretary of State Kim Wyman is behind an effort to have the Secretary of State's office be elected in a nonpartisan manner. How is that effort coming along?
1: Uh, Secretary Wyman hasn't even been able to find a legislator to sponsor a bill. And uh, that's one of the problems of this kind of proposal is is that you have to go to the, the most partisan organization, in the, you know, electably in the state of Washington, which is the state legislature. It's the one place in the state where... They actually meet by party and caucus, deciding how they're going to vote on bills and everything. And so it is just by its nature steeply partisan. So uh, they have no interest in, uh, in reducing the number of offices that that are partisan.
0: Does this mean there'll be another initiative?
1: Uh, I I don't think so. I have not heard of that. And uh, you know, there have always been good government groups that are in favor of it. But uh, to get an initiative passed, there has to be a lot of money raised. There has to be statewide organization. And, and I've never seen anything like that, you know, interested in this kind of an issue.
0: My thanks to former Secretary of State Sam Reed. Now, because of Sam's efforts, Washington is one of the most insulated states from partisan politics in the nation. You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. One more time, visit VoicesOfExperience.com. All one word. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Dwayne Reid will be joining us today. Dwayne is an author, teacher, and rap star. In his book, Simon B. Ryman, an 11-year-old boy dreams of becoming a world-famous rapper. But for now, he is a small boy in the fifth grade. Dwayne is also a fourth-grade school teacher who has a YouTube rap song, Welcome to the Fourth Grade. It has generated over 2 million followers. Now, Dwayne, what is this book about, and who is your target audience?
2: Simon B. Ryman is a, a book about Simon Barnes, who is an 11-year-old 5th grader from the west side of Chicago, um, who is an aspiring rap artist. The problem is, Simon is—he has a really big head, and he's small for his age, so he gets picked on quite a lot. Um, and that makes him feel insecure, and it makes him feel like he can't use the voice that he has. Um, but, you know, with the help of his friends and an unlikely friend, um, a, a man struggling with homelessness that he meets, Sonny, those people help him develop this voice that he's eventually able to, to use throughout the story. So, Simon B. Ryman is, is about people finding their voice and not being afraid to use it. And it's for um, probably 8 to 12, is that age range? Um, but, you know, a little younger, a little older. Whomever wants to read a
0: book about a great underdog, this is the book for you. Is there any um, self-parody here about your growing up that you wanted to do these things? Is there any part of you in this book?
2: Yes. Uh, Man, I thought that was pretty uh, (laughs) secret, but I guess it's not. Um, When I was a kid, I was short. I had a really big head, and I was... Always nervous to speak in front of people because I thought they were gonna just pick on me and not hear the things I, I I wanted to say. So I didn't speak up that often. Um but I wanted to be a really big rapper and things just happened in my head. So that became my superpower. Okay, I know I'm good at these things, but let me just keep it in my head and make it rhyme. Um so that's the same thing that happens with Simon. But what's different though? Um, is that Simon has a little more confidence than I had back then. And Simon is a better rapper. So throughout the course of the book, he learns how to, how to use his superpower to benefit uh, those in his community. I'd always had a heart for the community, just didn't have the voice. Simon has always had a heart, and he's
0: finding his voice. What attracted you to the teaching profession?
2: Um, I became a teacher because I feel like I'm my best self whenever I'm around kids. Um, I get to be my most authentic self, and sometimes they laugh at me. Being that around uh, adults probably wouldn't go over too well, so (laughs) I stuck with the 9- and 10-year-olds. And and I I feel like I do a decent job of of teaching things, so I I felt why not throw my my hat in the ring as far as education is concerned. But more importantly, I wanted to make a change. You know how people say, I want to be a teacher because I want to change the world. I wanted to make a change in my community. Because I know that you have to first change communities in order to change the world. And I think the way to first do that is by reaching those within the community and those of the scholars, the young people, because they take back whatever you taught them to their parents and their parents, other family members, and boom, now you've got to change community and eventually a changed world. So that's why teaching was really important for me to get into.
0: You grew up in Chicago. Chicago a big city. What part of Chicago did you grow up in?
2: Um, so I grew up on the south side of Chicago. And it is a big city. I live on the west side now, and that's why I started getting my uh, – that's why I started in education. My teaching child's here up here on the west side. Um, but, you know, my wife and I, who is actually – the book Simon B. Ryman is named after my wife, Simone. Just take the E off it, and you get Simon. Um, we, we're planning on moving back to the south side here soon uh, once we have our own little big-headed baby.
0: <laughs> oh, great. Great. Um... Did you have challenges growing up in the South side of Chicago? When you hear the South side, I'm from Seattle. When you hear it, you just hear there's problems there. Is that a correct perception or do we get a skewed viewpoint?
2: Uh, Yeah, man, there's problems everywhere, right? But there's also successes and there's, you know, positive things everywhere. You know, I think today is uh, Chicago's birthday. And I think that we aren't celebrating the city like we should, there's this narrative that goes out, oh, Chicago's so this, oh, Chicago's so that. How about you hear from the people who are in Chicago, who love Chicago, who are building up this city, who would, you know, would do anything for this city? How about you hear the story told from their perspective? And that's what Simon B. Ryman aims to do, tell it from the perspective of an 11-year-old who lives on the west side, you know, or, you know, thinking of scholars who live out
0: here on the south side, let us tell the story of what it's like to be in Chicago. So, um, Yeah. Well, you know, I think you're on the right path there. Um, It's like when you look at a situation and all you hear is negative, 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 how many shootings this weekend and so on. It's kind of like you hit a point, unfortunately, that you go, well, this is just too big a problem, can't be solved. It's just too overwhelming. And I agree with you that showing this is a great city, this south side of Chicago is a great place. Let's highlight what's right.
2: Absolutely. And, and and that's even my approach to teaching. Right. So a lot of scholars might come in and, you know, they got all type of stuff they've going they're going through at home or in life and they bring that into the classroom if I'm met with that, I'm not just going to say, well, let me write this person off. You know, they can't be helped. No, I'm going to say, okay, what can I do to kind of chip away at some of these things that might be hardening you? Or what can I do to be a resource to you if you want to use me as a resource? And that way, if I'm able to connect with you, then, okay, yeah, that's what's positive about you. Okay, yeah, I see you thriving right now. And that in the book is what Simon's teacher, Mr. James does. He finds what a superpower that Simon has. He brings that up. He makes a big deal about it. And Simon at, by the end of the book is able to, to, to speak, to use his voice because his teacher has gone in and highlighted the successes that the teacher sees. And I think that's important about Chicago, man. We got a whole lot of positive things going on.
0: And I think those things need to be celebrated. Well, I love the city. I've been there probably 15, 20 times in my life. And I, it's one of my top places. So, um, I'm, I'm with you there. And I did get a chance to watch your video from about uh, four years ago. Very well done. I really enjoyed it. Thank and you. I'm not, you know, a rapper Thanks. fan. I got to be honest with you. It's not the, my genre of music. I come up with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, right? <laughs> so that's kind of it. But well, I, I really liked well, the I'm way not. you presented it. And I could see where it uh, got, it well, it's like 2 million views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, well, I know you say you're not really a rap guy, but before we get out of here,
2: let me rap a little something for you, and then you tell me what you think about it. Is that cool? Please do. Alrighty righty then i say simon b rhyming is a kid from the shot he wants to be a big rapper but he's still kind of shy because he's got a big head and he's small for his age so what's on the outside makes simon afraid but what's on the inside there's something to see because he rhymes in his mind what he wants to be gonna change the whole world one day you'll see because that's simon the
0: notorious d-o-g Woof woof. all right i like the woof woof at the end that's outstanding <laughs> I would love to chat further. I hope we get a chance to do it again. Thank you so much for having me on, Paul. You got it. Thank you. Good luck to you. Well, my thanks to Dwayne Reed. Fascinating interview. I wish him well. The uh, book is called Simon B. Ryman by Dwayne Reed. If you want to watch his video, go to YouTube and input Welcome to the Fourth Grade. Well, that's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My thanks to Sam Sumner Reed and Dwayne Reed, sharing their wisdom and experience with us today. Any comments about what you heard today on this show or any other show, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. Leave your comments. I'd love to get them on the air. Just keep them as short as possible. That's 425-653-1166. So what is Voices of Experience all about? Well, you just heard We talk with people with experience in public affairs, travel, fitness, education, entertainment, with an emphasis on entrepreneurship. Moving on to another subject, Turian Jackson, a friend of mine from Southern California, sends me some very humorous videos and things all along. They're always slightly different from what you see, let's say, on Facebook. But not to go into great detail on that, she sent me something recently, and it was titled... Para-prostokian. para-prostokian so anyhow that's what it's called i never heard the term before but they are figures of speech in which the latter part of the sentence or phrase is surprising i'll just read a couple and you'll know what i'm talking about i'm going to read about nine of them here's the first one where there's a will i want to be in it the last thing i want to do is hurt you but you're still on my list Since light travels faster than sound, some people appear bright until you hear them speak. If I agreed with you, we'd both be wrong. To steal ideas from one person is plagiarism. To steal ideas from many is research. I didn't say it was your fault. I said I was just blaming you. In filling out an application where it says, In case of emergency, notify, I answered, doctor. This is really good. Women will never be equal to men. Until they can walk down the street with a bald head and a beer gut and still think they are sexy. And the last one for today, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm just not sure. My name is Paul Casey, and along with Benny Mathers, thanks for listening today. Quote of the week. A goal in life should be to laugh often and much, to win the respect of the intelligent people and the affection of children, to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends, to appreciate beauty, to find the beauty in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition, to know that one life. Has breathed easier because you lived here. That is to have succeeded. Ralph Waldo Emerson.